Welcome to Soundbreaker. I'm your host, Bob Shammy, and we are about to break the silence. Join me as we go behind the scenes and meet some of the most influential names in the music industry. Get ready for remarkable success stories that break the norms and defy the odds. From dreams to success, from challenges to victory, an exclusive backstage pass into the lives of music trailblazers as they create their own path to success. This is Soundbreaker. Welcome to Soundbreaker. On today's episode, we're talking to Daryl Hurst, who is a groundbreaker in the music industry. Thank you for joining us. And for our listeners who might not be familiar with you, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do before we dive into it? For sure. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Daryl Hurst. And I'm currently the market development rep for CD Baby in Canada. And I also have my own company called Indie Week, where we host online conferences, host festivals. And uh, we have our own online community called DIT. So think of it as social media, LinkedIn, Facebook together, but all for the music industry. Hmm. Does the word DIT stand for anything or? Yes. Uh, do just it together. It oh, kind of came out like of COVID, that. you know, when we're all remote and uh, isolated. Um, so we call it Do It Together, DIT. I see. Interesting. Um, well, great to have you here. And uh, let's get into it, uh, dive into it. Um, how I want to, if you can take us back, how did you first get your start in the music industry? If we can go back, I don't know how many years, but you'll you'll tell us. Yeah, we're. I can't believe we're already looking at like probably 40 years, 30 years. Um, so as <laughs> usual, I wanted to be a musician in a band. I was a guitar player. Yes. I went to college, did the whole band on the road thing. I eventually moved to Toronto with a band and then they couldn't hack it. They moved back to Edmonton. So I was stuck in Toronto by myself. Uh, and I mm -hmm. went through the process of being in bands, a jobber type musician, and then promoting shows booking venues. I started a community record label. Um, and then I started a festival called Indie Week. Uh, and that's literally 20 years ago. And I can't believe how fast that 20 years has gone. Uh, so I've hosted festivals. Been around for in, 20 years? Yeah. So Oof. we've we've hosted festivals wow. in Canada, in Ireland, in Manchester. Uh, we've hosted artists at other festivals in Brazil, in UK, uh, South by Southwest. Um, I've managed bands. Um, I also went a digital route. Um, as a musician, I didn't want to pay people to do CD covers and posters because it's really expensive. So I just took a course and I learned how to do it myself. And then other people started paying me and I figured this is way better money than a retail job. So I did digital. So I started creating websites really early. And uh, I did a stint with Live Nation. I worked with Live Nation for about eight, nine years. Uh, during that time, I launched Whoa. VIP. VIP yeah, I, I launched VIPNation.com, and I also branded the company for a while. Their logo was a ticket, so I did all that branding for them. Uh, current brand is kind of based on some of my last mockups for them. Um, so uh -huh. I've done a lot in in the digital side. I've done a lot hands on with bands, and I've promoted and put on events. Uh, last year, we just launched a brand new festival called, I'm actually wearing the shirt, Venue by Venue. Um, venue so that's by a brand Venue. brand new festival. 
And we mm -hmm. also launched an online platform called DIT, as I mentioned before. Um, yes. So kind of a wide spectrum. And about four, I guess we're almost up to five years ago, uh, I was hired by CD Baby. And during that time, I've been the market manager of Canada for CD Baby. And I also did a stint where I was working for downtown who purchased CD Baby. So um, so were you working for, for CD Baby first and then downtown came and or after the purchase, the acquisition happened or took uh, place? I, I was working for a CD Baby, then downtown purchased CD Baby. Um, with yeah. CD Baby as part of an international team. And then they yes. sort of revamped that team for downtown brands. And mm -hmm. then uh, I'm back to CD Baby. And it's, COVID had part of that. Like we were all isolated, locked down. Um, so that was part of, part of the reasons for some of the changes Great. is just the, we're all sitting at home. So you worked under the leadership of Tracy Maddox before when it Correct. was, when yes, great, great, great. Absolutely. Um, yeah. you had an impressive career journey so far. Uh, you want to say something? Go ahead, please. Oh, no, please. I, I, I was going to say, uh, Tracy no. was such a great leader. I, I felt very lucky to have that time. I talked to him last week. Yes. Um, yeah, and and he's he's he is such a great leader. Uh, so I was very lucky. I've been I've I gotta say throughout that journey, I've been very lucky to have key key people as as part of it and mentors uh, along the yes. way. Yes. Uh huh. I mean, we had him on the show, and absolutely, the response was amazing. Um, you know, Tracy's absolutely an encyclopedia of music and business information. Oh, Believe yes. me, he is amazing. Yes. Huge respect. Huge um, respect. Yes. 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 See, uh, Tracy, everybody loves you. <laughs> I'm sure he'll watch the show. Um, so uh, you had an impressive career journey so far, and including your roles at CD Baby. And uh, can you share a bit, you know, about a bit about your experience in at CD Baby? For sure. Uh, one, I'm very lucky to have the role and, and it fits very much with what I do. Um, in helping independent artists. Uh, so a big part of it for me is being the face of CD Baby in Canada, uh, mm -hmm. talking to artists. Our real, a big goal is education for artists. How do they can build a sustainable career? Of course, distribution mm -hmm. is our service, but we also look at it like, well, what good is distribution if the artist's career isn't moving forward? So we really focus on helping artists. Um, of course, CD Baby has the podcast, the blog, um, and it's really, we really focus on helping artists have a career. Uh, we want them to be successful and therefore we're successful. Um, so we look at we're mm -hmm. part of their career path as well. Um, so I've been very lucky about that. Um, I've been going to a lot of conferences and you can see in the back uh, some of the evidence. Um, I've been going I to see. a lot of yeah, I've been going All to a lot of the conferences and talking about uh, how to distribute your music, but how to do a release strategy, how to mm -hmm. uh, monetize your music and things like that. Yes. I mean, as you worked independently and, you know, for yourself, and Live Nation, CD Baby, what's your, I would say, your overview vision now about for the future? of the distribution business for artists, B2C? That's a very good question uh, because 
there's a lot more players in the game than ever before. And yeah. uh, correct. There's also the speculation of when will tech catch up, you know, crypto and NFT kind of stuff. Uh, will it get catch up? Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of pops up and then goes away, pops up and comes goes away. So I think that that will level out at some point. And I think blockchain and crypto will play a role at some point. I think with distribution, where success will be is when artists or companies can really find their niche. And I think that we're, we're just, there's a lot of white noise going on right now. There's so much music mm -hmm. being uploaded. Um, you know, if we think of, I look at looking at other businesses that are in si similar business models, like streaming movies, there was Netflix mm -hmm. and then Amazon and Apple, and now there's Crave and HBO to be to be everything. And, yeah. um, one thing that I've been sort of looking at that's going to be interesting if the music industry sort of picks up on, the main differentiator mm -hmm. is um, Netflix produces their own content. Yes, they distribute other people's Correct. content, but they Amazon have Amazon their... does the same also, yes. Right. Yeah. So there's a differentiator between do, are you on Amazon or are you on Netflix, you know? Like there's a certain movie or show that can only be seen on that platform. And so people sign I, up where Spotify and Apple literally has the same music unless an artist pulls it. Um, but there's no uh, relationship between those streaming services and the artist to pay for specific content. There's in podcasts with Joe Rogan, for instance, but not in music. Hmm. So um, it's the differentiators turns into price, which means I noticed that they've upped the price, but before they were all lowering the price to be cheaper, which means less payouts to the artists. So are you saying it's, that it's, DSPs, excuse me for jumping in, but are you saying that DSPs should uh, become also an aggregator, a distributor, a label? Maybe uh, possibly more saying? like a label. Like I'm signed into Spotify, or I'm signed into uh, Amazon, or I'm signed into. Is that what you're saying? Or well, Apple? I'm, it's interesting that they haven't, because then there's no differentiator between each DSP, and so everybody's trying to distribute absolutely everywhere because they don't want to get missed out. Um, but there's a lot of white noise, and you know, with the talks of. X number of songs don't even receive one stream. And, yes. and so therefore prices are going up to compensate. Hey, they still have to host it. It's on a server that costs money. Costs money. You got to think you got to be in their shoe because if they're dealing with so much music, I don't, I don't know how much music it doesn't even get streamed or how much of it thousands, just sit there. Or if it thousands does even, of songs. Yeah. Thousands, forget it. More, and, and, if not even and millions. The, and to note that um, I've seen as well personally where um, there's the, the scene is getting flooded a bit also with fake music and bots and things like that. And I've seen where... Fake music. What do you mean by fake music? Well, uh, let's say there's a release coming out and we know when it's coming out. And... Yeah. Uh, maybe it's opposing labels or what sometimes they get into this kind of stuff and it's like hey what if we release 20 songs on the same day 
And that yeah. now song gets lost in the mix because our song is coming out next week and we want that to be the big splash. Right. So mm -hmm. um, there's reasons why, for instance, on CD Baby's side, we check all the uploads to make sure nothing's fake and make sure it's right and proper where some services just upload the music because they want to make the fee. Um, so you'll get like fake tracks and things like that online. So, so at some point there needs to be a filter and is it get rid of the songs that don't receive any streams? Is it a way to get rid of fake music, uh, and have really good quality, like everything on Do you this. think other DSPs will follow? Other DSPs will follow what Spotify is doing? Well, you I know. think what may happen is more, here's the streaming service if you like hard rock. And if you like yeah. hard rock, we're the place to come. Over here, if you like yeah. jazz, we're the place to come if you like jazz. And yeah. if it's the listener's experiences, quality and not trying to find, like, man, sometimes I'm on Spotify and it takes me mm -hmm. forever to find some good music. You, you know, like it's... There's like a lot I, of I'm always about right. discovering new songs. So I'm going through and uh -huh. it takes a long time. So, but what if it was like really good quality? And I think that we're seeing some mm -hmm. streaming services start do that. Uh, so I think, I think, I think be maybe, maybe my opinion is where I think uh, they'll, they would need to, instead of penalizing or not paying, maybe have the music to a certain amount of time. If it doesn't earn any streams, whether within a year or nine months or six months or 24 months, whatever they have 40, you know, I mean, they'll say, then it becomes a liability for us. That's it's a cost. It's not bringing profit. You know, one thing is if it's flat, it's not bringing or, or costing, but once it starts costing, there's like, okay, then now, now we're going to have to take it down. Inform the artist that the music is not making money or there's no, it doesn't meet the minimum, um, you know, requirement of streams. So we have to take it down. Yeah. Or, or there's a, it is a bit sad for artists, for new yes. artists, because, you know, artists are always working and improving themselves and getting better. And some artists don't make it right away. It takes them five years. And all of a sudden, everybody wants to listen to their music now because, you know, they have a hit song. So hit songs carries, you know, pulls in everything else that you have out there. It's exactly. a kind of a it. need yeah. to be find a solution for it, really. And I'm not the one, you know, but I just my ideas. And uh, but I would say it's it's a thin line, you know. Right. I understand there's... the artists, and I do understand the the big DSPs. Like there's a cost, and I know that because I'm in the music business, and I know what it costs when you put things in servers and all of this, and it, it's big, you know, infrastructure. Everybody thinks it's online, it's free, right? Like everybody thinks, oh, no, it's online. No, no, no. Big Insurance and security and programmers yes. and yeah. servers. Yeah. Yes, correct. Um, yes. But, but here's something to note. So, for instance, if I was a jazz artist and my music's mm. on a jazz streaming platform and the listeners yeah. are jazz enthusiasts, there might be a higher chance of my music getting actually listened to. Because it's the right. So, what are you saying? The DSP should have certain DSP should be a niche for pop, for hip hop, for rock, R and B, jazz, world. I think something like that will will start to exist soon. I've already started seeing new streaming Maybe. services come out, um, and specialize in, in one genre. Well, in some cases, it's more at this stage uh, 
quality of the file. So the, what you're hearing is a higher level quality uh, of, of um, stream. So the, a lot mm. of, I've, some of the ones I'm seeing are like, well, what differentiates us is that you're going to hear the best quality of that song through us, better than Spotify, mm -hmm. better than Apple. So I'm seeing that happen. Mm -hmm. And then I think, yes, I think genre-based could also be viable. Um, I've heard of, of some things kind of in the works. Um, and to me, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense because you want to stand out. And uh, yeah. it's like magazines. It's like TV shows. It's, it, it makes sense for us. Really. You know, well, that's, that, if we go back a bit, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that's how radio was. Exactly. You want to listen to rock, it's that channel. You want to listen to hip hop, you want to listen to dance, you want to listen to world, to, you know, easy listening. Each radio station had their own genre of music, you know. Yeah, exactly. But again, and, they and weren't... what runs radio is advertising, right? And, yes. yes. And I just Correct. talked to a radio station last week about it. And it's like advertising goes with a certain station because of the demographic and the reach that they have. And uh, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies have to look at their budgets and what, where do they wisely spend their advertising dollars? And I think, I think that'll help drive it too. Um, and I didn't want and to, you will mention, have what you'll have what? Oh, oh no, I did want to mention, cause what you brought up. Uh, so, one of my very first jobs in the music industry was at HMV Records, um, oh. years and years ago. So when there was record stores, yes. Um, and day one, the manager pulled me aside, and I learned this day one. Yes, he said, "Do you see this rack? The value of this rack isn't the same as that rack over in the corner. This pays our rent." And he pulled yes. out a stack of CDs, and he said, the, "These CDs." Yeah. Have to sell in store placement always in store placement. It. I remember the game. Yeah, yeah. and they yeah. said he said these CDs have to sell so we pay our bills. We pay our rent when we yes. sell these, and if they don't, we get rid of them. They can't stay here. So that's also kind of like some of the talks I've had with some others in the industry about this streaming. Of mm -hmm. uh, if this song doesn't stream, it it's kind of like going back to those record store days. Of it's gotta yes gotta pay the rent or it's gotta go um, space is limited um, and I think the digital world we all feel that the space is unlimited and I think that's kind of like yes. we've let it become unlimited and now we're overwhelmed and uh, you we're know in I mean it's, it's an idea yeah. to have yes to have uh, different uh, DSPs niche for certain music yes sure we'll make all DSPs value the same. Because, you know, all the rock fans will go to that DSP and all the... But then you're talking about membership. Like, how much would it cost the consumer? If I'm going to be... If I belong... Because sometimes I like to listen to pop. Sometimes I like to listen to jazz or disco or whatever. So does that mean I'm going to have uh, on my credit card about uh, 10 DSPs that I'm paying for? Streaming Possibly. platforms? <laughs> right now I've got Apple. That's a lot of money. I've got Apple, I've got Amazon, <laughs> I've got Netflix, uh, Paramount Plus. Unless if there uh, will be some kind of uh, an alliance and they all, and then you choose, I don't know, you pay yes. one fee to belong to like all the streaming platforms. And then, 
you know, and then you choose based on the genre you want to listen to. I don't know. It, it, well, it's a bit more complex, you know, financially. A lot yeah. more. Well, the it's, cost it's very and much. And that. I'm Amazon Prime, and through Amazon Prime, yeah. I'm Paramount Plus as well, and maybe AMC. Like they, they, the big ones also distribute the little ones, right? But remember, um, the music business is different than 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 the visual, uh, you know, movies because oh, absolutely, you can have you can't have a movie on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. You can't or Hulu Plus or Vudu. You're gonna have it only on one platform exclusively for them. But when it comes to the music, the majority of it is distributed everywhere in every platform uh, out there. No, so for instance, some artists, they have exclusive deals, but not the majority. We're talking about in general. We're not talking about like 10% of some of the major artists or 5% they only have, or oh, I have a deal only with Apple, or I have a deal only with, with Spotify, or I have a deal only with you know Pandora yeah. well, or whatever. Well, or Deezer. good example yeah. on the movie side, though, is I just watched the latest yeah. Scorsese film on Apple. I could yeah. watch it on Amazon, but I'd have to rent it on Amazon. So, mm, mm -hmm. so it, it, they do cross over, guaranteed. Uh, but here's where I'm the going majority, with it, too, not though. all of them. Uh, a lot yeah. of them do. It's just certain ones. Not only exclusive release on the first like six months. I don't know a year. I don't know. They all go for the money, however they're going to make money, and that they don't want to turn it away. Um, but here's where yeah. I'm going with it: is say somebody who does say a hard rock label also becomes yeah. the distributor at the same time or the DSP at the same time. So, so there might be a label connection where, because the digital tools are becoming more and more available, white label services are more and more available. I could potentially foresee, oh, we could be our own streaming platform. And, and it potentially could be through uh, one of the bigger services, you know, Everybody likes making money, so could they could white label it. Could be it. something to do with labels, but there's only a handful of major labels. And oh. Yes, and a handful, or a little bit more than a handful of, of some of the top streaming platforms. Yeah. But yes, there will be a change, I'm sure. And I, I'm sure a social media platforms such as TikTok and, and, and Meta, Facebook, and you know Reels and all of that yeah. have, will have, have a big influence on the change itself. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's I just, my own opinion. Yeah, I've been uh, through the digital world long enough, and I've seen yes. so much evolution and change. Yeah. And I, yes, we are on the cusp of something new. We don't know what it is yet, but we're due for a change. Yes. We're due, like, yes. you know, the cycle right now. It's yes, we're due for a change. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. the introduction of AI and how it's going to influence the music business, which is great. You know, I welcome AI and technology, and that's what we thriving on that's what the music business has been running on for the past few years well more than a few years you know when digital started technology yeah. but now it's becoming you know you no longer could say i'm in the music business i'm in the music tech business and soon you you gotta have to add ai to it you're speaking my language i totally agree yes yes <laughs> you know uh, we don't want to uh, bore our listeners uh, but again you know it's important topics and i'm sure they're going to enjoy it and it's really you know things that has a lot of, uh, how should I say, um, sense and education, you know, foreseeing the future and discussing what we're going to have, because that's the topic on everybody's mind, like what's going to happen. You know, every, yeah. a lot of people don't know, but I think there is things going to change. Maybe it might go towards what we just discussed. It uh, might, I, but there is something in that arena, I think. Yes. 
absolutely and there's things that we can't even think yeah. of where it's going so yeah yes yes um well that's fascinating anyhow uh now transition you know transitioning uh, to your role as a founder of indie week let's talk about you in canada you know indie week canada can you share what inspired you to create this event and the impact it has on canadian music industry for sure um so at that time and thinking back 20 years i was booking at a venue mm -hmm. and Canadian Music Week was one of the majors, North by Northeast and others. And I was seeing that a lot of really great local talent was being overseen and not getting performance slots in these yes. festivals. So I just took mm -hmm. it on and said, well, there's enough great artists that are getting overlooked that we could make up a whole other festival with these artists. And so that's literally what we did. And I think our first year we had 60 artists in six venues three nights mm -hmm. um, and it had grown to pre-COVID. I think our last one was about 250 artists from around the world, uh, like 30 different countries. Uh, we had 24 mm -hmm. music venues and uh, it was, a, we also had a conference. So it was really a place where artists and industry could connect. And a big part mm -hmm. of our focus is education because as we know, artists need help in understanding the industry, how to talk to the industry, how to connect with the industry, uh, but also Correct. how to do their own business and how to run it. And mm -hmm. there's artists that are touring the world right now. There's artists that are um, still doing uh, well, just because of based off of connections that they've uh, made at uh, Indie Week. And uh, I hear from them, mm -hmm. I see from them a fair bit still, we, we stay in touch. Um, example, I just messaged uh, a band from Korea that's going to be playing in Toronto uh, in mm -hmm. March, uh, Drinking Boys mm -hmm. and Girls Choir, who we had the first show at uh, Indie Week in Toronto with them. Um, so they've gone from playing a 200 cap room to now they're playing an 800, 900 cap room in Toronto. So Wow. Um, wow. Is yeah. it K-pop? A K-pop, I mean, uh, group. No, right? it's, it's a hard, it's, it's well, uh, progressive pop, punk. <laughs> it's punk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's crazy. Punk, okay. It's a so kind we, of music, can they we go call one, it... two, three, four, and they just go for it. <laughs> can we call it <laughs> K-punk? Is that the proper sure, word? Sure, let's do or? that. I'm yeah, just made but... I just made it up. <laughs> there we go. You heard it here first okay. on the podcast. Yes, Yes, K-Punk on Soundbreakers. There we go. I hope we're not offending anybody. Yes. <laughs> um, your work in event marketing and branding uh, has included collaborations with renowned brands like Jack Daniels and uh, Gibson Guitars. How do you approach uh, creating unique event experiences that uh, uh, you know, resonate with both sponsors and uh, you know, the attendees? Very important question. Um, the first thing is to know the brand you're working with. What is their demographic? Mm -hmm. uh, and even so, having the discussions of what's their goal? What are they trying to achieve? Because mm -hmm. a brand may want to sell products or they may want to mm -hmm. promote a product. That's two totally different goals. And uh, you need to know what the end result the, the brand wants. 
and you mm -hmm. need to support that end goal. And I think a lot of times events, when they get sponsorships, they're thinking of what their own goals are and it doesn't match with the brand or the sponsorship and it ends up not working. So you really need mm -hmm. to know all of those factors and how is that going to integrate with your event without looking fake, without looking contrived and made up? Because a lot of people don't give their audience credit. They're smart. They really know what they like, what they don't like. And if you mm -hmm. don't match up, they can smell something that's really fake and contrived and made up and not participate. So it's wow. really important to understand your audience. Uh, with Jack Daniels, we had an eight-year partnership with them, which is unheard of with a global brand like that. We, we had an eight-year run with them. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we did like, uh, what was one of the last ones? We did a, a, a brand flight tasting special mm -hmm. uh, invite only in a hidden location, very exclusive. And we had a really well-known mm -hmm. artist perform acoustically for them. Um, so wow. it's like, how do you get in? You know, it's like, and, you know, do you know Jack was the question. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> if you know Jack, you could get in. But do you know Jack? Uh, <laughs> so kind of creating that kind of uh, curiosity. Yes, and, yes. And, uh, yeah. Kind so, of buzz. Yes. Interesting. But, but, you know, music and branding is intertwined. It's, it's, you also have to think of it, it's a lifestyle culture. And you got to make mm -hmm. sure you're matching that demographic. Hopefully that's not too much of an answer, but it's uh, something I'm very passionate no, about. No, I mean, yes, I could see. I could see. You kind of, uh, it be, you get in very scientifically. You answer always like you really dig deep in it. I like that. Give us the, the inside of it. it. Well, it's not just the basic, you know, basic line. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's people that come to me. Hey, could you get me a Jack Daniels sponsorship? Hey, could you get me? And they haven't thought anything other than, could you get us a brand that's going to give us money for what we want to do? And that's not the yeah. way to go about it. That's literally not the way to go Got about it. it. Um, as the founder of Indie 101, a platform that explores uh, the uh, in intersection of music and technology together. Obviously, AI uh, is a hot topic right now. And uh, what are some of the trends, uh, audit, uh, you know, the trends artists and the industry professional should keep an eye on? Well, uh, there's a hundred and a hundred different directions going right now. Uh, first off with AI, <laughs> Correct. Some, something yeah. that I think is really, really important is use mm -hmm. it as a tool for all of the repetitive tasks that you do to make yeah. that sort of out of the way, taken care of, save yourself time and focus on the higher level tasks. Um, you know, social media could be automated. Newsletters could be automated. Messaging fans yeah. could be automated. Like you can automate a lot of repetitive tasks. Um, and I've been very lucky. I've been working in automation for over 20 years as well. Um, one of my first websites, I worked with a programmer and one section was 15,000 pages. And this is in 1999 mm. 
And so mm-hmm. I've been dealing with automation a lot and uh, it's how we're able to run so many events. Uh, we, we try to build sometimes custom applications that meet our needs. Um, mm-hmm. One case I had to book uh, for another brand partnership, uh, Mill Street Brewery, we did a, an event called Lights Out where we booked mm-hmm. 140 artists in 140 venues with volunteers mm-hmm. and it was all automated. We never sent an email ourselves. It was all automated. But, from- you know, I mean, we don't want people to kind of get, uh, you know, their information crossed or confused because, you know, automation is one thing and AI is another thing. But still, AI, it's more, I always looked at AI as a tool. AI is the, one of the greatest tools, actually. We we advanced ourselves to it. And yes. AI is is based, is data-driven. It's, you know, it's not automation, but it's data-driven. It's based on what do you teach the AI, whether you teach it how to write letters, about books, about anything that you insert. You know, we're not exposed yet, I guess, to the AI that where it kind of thinks and has own subconscious, or this is wrong or this is right. It based on uh, uh, the AI decision based on what information was inputted to it, obviously. Uh uh, yes so and no. some people I, think I'm using it to so I'm using it to create the automation, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but based on data that it was given to it, I, when you build it, they call it machine learning. Yeah, and well, it learns. Well, it's not, it doesn't yes. need to know the data; it needs to know to analyze the data, and then it can yeah. automate from that. And it's all driven off of spreadsheets, right? So, so it knows formulas, and it knows yeah. like, yes. like the data from sheet one gets sent over to sheet two. And because of it's labeled yes. on sheet two, it sends email sure. out. Uh, so yes. I'm, I'm using it to build automation. Uh, and yes. and where that's the, the key factor is anybody could do that where before you needed to know the code to build yes. these automations. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, like I just did some tests with uh, accounting uh, spreadsheets and it was yeah. unreal what... Uh, it was able to extrapolate from the data on that. Um, and I so, like what you said. It's a tool. AI is a great tool. We should really yes. embrace it and use it to make our life easier and better and advance our life even further. Exactly. And cut the time, not even in half, way less. So we can use our time more productive in other things. Exactly. You know? And so that's what so we're trying to provide. We should welcome AI. Yes. 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 Uh, yes. Um, so this is what we're trying to do is provide education and give yeah. inspiration because there's a lot of skeptics yeah. like, I don't know if I should use it. Use yes. it. I don't know. I haven't tried yes. it yet. Try it. Um, so we're trying to give little bits of information that people can take and then go, oh, I think I can do Great. this. I don't need to know Great. code. And I think a lot of times people think AI, data, oh, I need to know code. You don't. Um, so, so that's what we're trying to do uh, is show examples and show ways of artists and industry that could embrace the technology so that they're yes. bettering their careers and they're actually getting mm-hmm. rid of some of the small tasks and focus on high level yeah. tasks. And it's yes. all a learning process Correct. that everybody yes. will personalize so that they know how yes. they should use it. 
Sorry for the long answer. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, hey, that's why, uh, you know, we have the podcast and that's why you're here. Um, the music industry is known for its challenges and setbacks. Can you share a difficult moment you faced in your career and how you overcame it? Well, the the obvious answer seems to be for right now in, in this time is COVID. Um, we lost the festival. We So yes. we were in Toronto um, and um, we, like I said, we launched a new festival last year. It's in a different city. It's like rebranding, starting over from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. so, so we lost the festival that we built up for 20 years, but we're taking that as a positive in knowing more right now, having more connections and launching mm -hmm. something that we feel is actually a rebirth and it's going to be great. Mm -hmm. um, the other part is with my digital background and while we're in lockdown, okay, what are we mm -hmm. going to do? So we launched online conferences, online webinars, uh, which has now led to our social media platform, which was not the plan before. We in 2019 mm. we weren't sitting around and going, "Hey, you know what we should do? We should do an online social media platform." We did not think that at all. Um, so, mm. if anything, we're stronger than we were before. Uh, we have this growing wow. community that's global. Uh, we do a webinar every mm -hmm. week. People show up from around the world. Uh, it's new. We're growing new members every week. We now have. We're, t we're in talks with a lot of partners and sponsors, if we connect that, because we've got people and we've got an online space that we can now engage with brands. Um, so I got to say, I'm very lucky to have that digital background. And while we're in lockdown at COVID, it was kind of nice to put a pause for a while and rethink things. So um, that's how we well, are. Very here. positive. Yes. yes, more reach. Absolutely. Yes, technology. Ab that's the power of technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, very we've, positive. We've done I a like webinar that. every week and we're about to do our 124th, 123rd webinar. Uh, who would have thought? I would well, never have thought I would yes. have been doing this. <laughs> well, congratulations. Congratulations, Thank you. my friend. Um, you know, uh, that is very inspiring. In your opinion, what some what are some of the uh, common misconceptions people have about the music industry oh uh, that it's easy and um i just had a talk you know talking about investors and such where uh everybody thinks if i do action a i'm going to get a certain result you can't predict all the time um, and it is more of a long game. And I think people are always trying to skip from A to Z really quickly. And they think mm -hmm. that they should be successful really quickly. Uh, it is a, it is an industry that you have to be passionate about. The motivation, if you're an artist, is the art. And you have mm -hmm. to know that it is a business and that you got to figure out how does your art fit with business and and are, what are you willing to do for that and how long because it is a long game and uh there's a lot of sacrifice a lot of birthdays missed anniversaries missed um and i think i think that that's just the overall common 
misconception is is it's an easy business and it's uh you're going to get rich quick and famous and uh it may, it may take a while it doesn't happen <laughs> yes it may take there's a while. no special formula no no well, special form you got to create your own formula you got to create your own formula and i gotta say i've worked with bands where we were this close this close like yeah. one band signed uh three major producers on the debut we're cross canada tour promoting on all radio yeah. stations and opening for some big artists and one night the record label rep showed up and we're like what's he doing here after the show he literally said <laughs> no more money in rock this year so we're not putting out the album wow. that's supposed to come out next week Ooh. and maybe next year we'll put it out just like that <laughs> wow you know um <laughs> yes and we had to tour back and be like okay what are we touring for the album's not coming out and uh and then a year came around and it was like well maybe next year again and and as mm -hmm. an artist they're signed they can't change their name they can't go do other things so i've i've seen mm -hmm. it firsthand where you you're seeing that success so close and then that just take it away from you um, and I know yes, numerous yes. stories like that. Numerous. You, you think you're following uh, the, or, or taking the right steps and following the right path. But then it's like, oh, why? It didn't work. Yeah. Yes, and I did. That case, Absolutely. They were yeah. signed. The, the record was recorded. It was mixed. They literally, we were promoting a single at radio stations across Canada on the tour for the release coming out in two weeks. Um, and they were just at that point where they were approving artwork to print the CDs and they pulled the plug wow. on it. So, uh, when you think you're there, don't be surprised that something might yes. happen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. As you know, collaboration is an often a key element in the music world. Could you share a memorable collaboration story or someone you've worked with, uh, who left an impact on you? Um, wow. Somebody who left an impact on me in the industry. Yeah. Um, yes. Well, there's a number of people and, uh, one is say Glenn Matlock from Sex Pistols, Martin Atkins, who yeah. played with Nine Inch Nails, Public Image Limited, um, John Densmore, The Doors. So like we've had them as speakers yes. and yeah. I have to say the common trait is how kind and generous they were of their time and mm -hmm. even their person. Like they were the easiest to work with where you learn in this business, be kind to others. You learn that always your reputation yeah. means everything. Um, Correct. And, and if you help others, it's going to come back to you. And, and that's, that's yes. sort of what I saw. Cause you know, you're intimidated like, man, this, this is the drummer, of the doors, like, wait, mm -hmm. he's the nicest guy, you know? And this is this Glenn used to play in the sex pistols. He's the nicest guy. Uh, Mike Joyce from the Smiths. I got to say, wow, he was just a gentleman. And mm -hmm. um, you just sort of learn how to present yourself in the business. Cause when I was coming up, it was a lot of machoism and, you know, ego, mm -hmm. uh, rock star attitude. That's not the way. Um, 
be kind to others and uh, lead by example and help when you can. And you're going to find while you're in this long road of passion in the business, you're, you're around with mm-hmm. good people. Great advice from Daryl Hurst on Soundbreaker. I love that. Um, you answered this question. I'm going to ask you, unless if there's something else you want to add, you know, technology has significantly changed the music landscape. And you mentioned during COVID, you know, because of your digital background, you digitized the whole thing and it actually gave you more reach and wider reach to your audience and members. How have advancement in technology influenced your work and the music industry as a whole? Uh, I have to say I owe everything to tech. Um, wow. From when, when I was starting out as a, like going back mm-hmm. to when I said I was a musician and I took this desktop publishing course, I've been completely self-employed mm-hmm. ever since. And, and mm-hmm. everyone I work with is a client. And it's because I know tech. It's because I know uh, digital. And if anything... If you know tech, and especially I look at right now, whenever there's something new, it's opportunity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think of it as, oh, something new is competition. No. What it means is new jobs are going to come up and open. New. Absolutely. Always. 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 Yes. New opportunities. Yes. New opportunities. So whenever there's something new, I'm interested. Yes. And. Yeah. When you know that new thing, it and it's yes. sometimes it's the easiest thing to learn, but other people may be intimidated. They're willing to pay you to do that for them, and and so that's new clients and it's new work. So I'm embracing a lot of what's happening in the sense that there's new jobs being created, there's new opportunities coming. We can't necessarily predict what they all are, but we know it's coming. And yes, uh, new companies, new brands, everything, everything like people are calling themselves a prompt engineer. And I'm like, you mean Mm -hmm. type a message in a chat box? That's, you know, (laughs) so they come up with these terms as well. And that helps confuse the people that don't know what's happening. And like, wow, you're a prompt engineer. Uh, How much do you cost? (laughs) Oh, it's 250 an hour. Whoa, okay, sure. You know, like it. And uh, here's my here's my PDF of my prompts that I've engineered and it's 50 bucks, um, you, you know, and being around, if anything, if you're, if you stick to it and you're around hindsight yeah. gives you experience. Um, and I'm an wow. educator as well. I've been teaching this whole time. So I I've taught Photoshop. I've taught how to, I teach how to do websites. Um, I'm, I'm about to do a digital tools kind of workshop. But I remember teaching Photoshop to photographers in 2001. And they Mm -hmm. all sat there with their arms crossed. And they're like, I'm going to do this in the dark room. Why do I need Photoshop? And I was like, in five years, you're going to need to know Photoshop. And right now is your advantage Mm -hmm. ahead of others. But they were like, no, I'm going to do it in the dark room. And in five years, dark rooms are gone. If you mentioned a dark room right now, Nobody would even know what you're talking about, you know, like it's the place where you develop the film in the camera and that doesn't exist well, anymore. Daryl, <laughs> you have the entrepreneurial mind. Absolutely. You do. Well, and that is very important in, in our industry. You cannot be afraid and you're always learning. To me, I stand by 
when you stop learning, you start dying. So let's continue living and keep learning. Keep learning. Everything's an experience. Yes. And and we all Absolutely. now can say we've been through a pandemic and we've got some yes. experience. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, in your line of work, how do you stay updated uh, with the latest trends, innovations or changes in the industry and how important it is to continue to learn? Oh, it, well, as we said, it is absolutely paramount to continue learning. Um, I've seen some mm -hmm. people become obsolete because they stopped learning and they wanted to do the way that they do it, but the world changed around them. Um, I'm, I, I try to really stay atop on social. Uh, I have certain accounts I follow that I, I kind of follow uh, Tim Ferriss sort of rule. Like I know that account is updating with the current trends. So if I follow that, I don't have to go running around looking for it. Um, and also there's an app called Ift. If this, then that. Ift. Ift. Mm -hmm. It's great. Uh, talking about automation and such. So I've got it set so if certain things get posted with certain words yeah. or topics, uh, it comes into my inbox. So um, sweet, I don't I have like to that. look hard for it. <laughs> if it's a great tool, if if anybody doesn't know it, uh, check it out. Um, yeah, like I could have it follow certain hashtags on uh, socials and send me updates on that, and uh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's one of my great trips. You know, tips. this is very uh, inspiring, trips. and <laughs> that's all right. Uh, this is very inspiring and a lot of insightful information. So, a lot of our audience is going to be inspired when they watch this interview, and you know, and let's say they want to take the same path or the line of work that you've done. It's like you know what, this is very inspiring. I want to be like Daryl. I want to do so. Any advice that you could give somebody? uh beginners or people who want to start or get inspired by this you know how to what to avoid what not to avoid as you know this business full of gatekeeping so how to kind of um you know go around the noise and somebody the people who doesn't want you and that's what the show is about sound breakers you know yeah so some of the advice i try to always give kind of touches on what i said before yes. is help others yeah and yeah when you don't know something you could offer to help somebody in that sector and they're gonna you're gonna learn without having to go to a school you're gonna learn how mm -hmm. to do things and when you're actually helping somebody and they go oh here's what i do they're showing you the tips on their experience of years and so Mm -hmm. You can fast track learning if you connect with the right people. And when I did that desktop publishing course, for instance, I volunteered at a radio station every Sunday morning. It was a restaurant and food show. Mm -hmm. Nothing like I was a broke musician eating really well. And everybody would be like, well, how are you? what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm learning desktop publishing. And they're like, I need a new logo. I'm like, I don't know it yet, but give me your business card. And every Monday morning I would go to the instructor and go, here's 10 business cards. Here's clients for you. I gave it away. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you don't want to do this. I'm like, I don't know it yet. I'm a student, but they're willing to pay. And so I gave that away. And 
you know, helped other people with projects. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is when they can't take something on, I'm at the top of the list of who they're going to give that work to. So mm -hmm. I ended up having about five to 10 people that had helped. And I have mm -hmm. to say, I have not had a resume. I am the worst example. I don't go looking for work. All of these jobs have been a referral to me. I've not looked for it. And so every single one mm -hmm. has been, somebody asked somebody, do you know somebody who does this? And they go, yeah, Daryl does. And this is, this is the key takeaway, I would say. Amazing. The Live Amazing. Nation interview. Great insight. Yeah, but here's, yes. the, here's the, the kicker. So I had the worst Please. interview to get the Live Nation gig. They called on a Monday, and I don't know who it is on the phone. They said, are you the guy that does Photoshop and websites? Yes. Do you have a resume? No. Do you have a website? No. <laughs> Do you have an example? <laughs> no. I, I've, I'm working so busy. I don't have time, blah, blah, blah. But you could do this. Yes. Yeah. And and you got to remember, this is time where there was no Google Drive, file transfer. Yes, yes. So what I learned is they trusted the opinion of the person who recommended me. Recommended, yes. They've got a relationship with that wow. person. And they're like, if and you got Patrick the job. says Daryl could do this, Daryl could do this. And that's how I got the gig. Wow, amazing. <laughs> like the worst job interview ever. Eight years. Or you said nine years. It was nine-year gigs, right? Yeah. You with them for eight or nine years. Yeah. Wow, wow. It, and the thing is, when you, when you do get hired, you have to respect the work. And I'm always about over-deliver, deliver ahead of time if possible. And the role is mm -hmm. I make the person I'm mm -hmm. working for look good so that they can go to their mm -hmm. boss and be, look, this is what we did. I was the one that worked on the project. I made them look good. They're going to keep giving me work. Yeah. And that's that's what happened at Live Nation. Incredible. Very incredible. This is very helpful information. Uh, before we wrap it up, uh, Daryl, is there anything else you would like to share? Any upcoming project uh, or projects with an S that you would like to mention or promote? For sure. Um, well, uh, 365 days a year, DIT is live, DITcommunity.com, and it's a place to network, a place to post and share uh, music and things. Uh, and we have webinars and we have education content and we have a lot more planned. Uh, so that's DITcommunity.com. And we have conferences online. Our next one is Screen by Screen. So that's ScreenXScreen.com, and that's February 6th mm -hmm. and 8th. And uh, mm -hmm. we have a new we have a new festival. You can barely see a shirt, but venue by venue, and that's in November in London, Ontario. Venue um, by venue, yes. And just follow us on socials. You can look up Indie Week, and uh, you'll see all the stuff we're doing. And uh, if you have questions, DM me. I'm open to chatting. This is great. This is great. Well, firstly, thank you for joining us today. This concludes today's episode of Soundbreaker. Uh, please make sure to follow us on socials and stay tuned for our next episode and see ya. Awesome. Thank you so much. This podcast is presented by Music Dash, world's first AI-powered independent distribution CMS. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to share the Soundbreaker podcast. And if you are joining us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. Until next time.